0: Welcome in everybody to another week of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today's episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com. Use promo code Locked Fifteen. You get fifteen percent off of your next order. Now today is Monday. And y'all know what that means, it's mock draft Monday. Nothing happened over the weekend. We're still waiting. There's still some more rumors going on about who the Vikings are looking at in terms of the offensive line. It sounds like they've cast a really, really wide net, but names like Eric Fisher, names like Forrest Lamp, Alejandro Villanueva have all been mentioned. So, we'll see. It could be somebody, it could be somebody you haven't looked up yet. So, we'll we'll just have to wait and see where we're there, but I still do think they're going to get an offensive lineman. For now, though, let's hop into this mock draft. So if you haven't been with us for the rest of them, welcome. Love you. Thank you for coming. Uh, so the rule set here is I just can't pick anybody I picked in the uh, the last drafts. So I can trade around. I can do this. I'm using the, uh, the draft network mock simulator. Um, I can uh, move around and do whatever I want to do here. I just can't take somebody who I've taken in a previous mock draft money. So in the first round, that means that Jason Owe, Pay, and Trevon Morig, who I I, I draft like two days before Xavier Woods signed, uh, are all off limits as well as everybody else that I took in those mock drafts. But you may have noticed that a uh, name that a lot of people want is missing: Elijah Vera Tucker. He has kind of been the white whale here. I've been trying to find in these mock drafts the perfect way to trade down a little bit and still get Elijah Vera Tucker. But his draft stock has increased as he had his pro day and as people kind of realize, like, wow, he just is like kind of a good lineman. So last week I traded down to 17, just three spots. I still missed out on him. Arizona took him at 16. So this. Time I'm not taking any chances, I'm still going to go down one spot. I'm going to go down and trade with the New England Patriots because Justin Fields ends up on the board in this particular simu- simulation. In this one, he fell all the way to the second round, which might have a lot to do with the narrative surrounding him and stuff and how the 49ers are like really into Mac Jones, I guess, or something like that. Uh, so they might have tweaked the simulator for him just to, to fall a little bit further, but he's on the board. So Justin Fields is there on the board. He's the only quarterback there. And I want to take a move out of like some old vintage Rick Spielman stuff where he did this in 2014 and 20. 12, where he just called the team that is next on the board and he'll say, hey, Washington's trying to trade up. You know, you want to do you want to outbid them Uh, and basically get some free value that way or maybe literally call Washington and New England and say, hey, you know, you guys bid against each other and Washington obviously have to do so much better because you're so much further down the board. So I figured in trying to simulate that I could move down a little bit and pick up something. Now, you can't pick up a lot moving down one spot from 14 to 15. But considering that it's like for a quarterback, I figured I could justify picking up a third round pick in exchange for a fourth round pick. So I took pick 119, the first fourth round pick the Vikings have, and I slid it up to pick 96 in exchange for going from 14 to 15. That seems fair. It's actually a little bit too favorable to the Vikings to be that fair, but I figure for a quarterback i think we can justify that so we're picking at 15 and elijah vera tucker is still on the board of course so we're gonna take him we finally get to talk about this guy so he switched positions every single year at usc which as you know i think kind of diminishes your performance so we kind of have to adjust for that if he gets to stay at the same position you would expect him to kind of get used to it get some momentum and get even better and he was good at all of those positions in 2018 he played right guard and then he played left guard and then he played left tackle at usc his senior year and he was pretty good at tackle but he seems like he's a better guard he he isn't particularly lengthy, but he's very steady. He's very powerful. He's not very Vikings-y in kind of the best of ways. So if the Vikings end up passing on him, you kind of know why. But he does cross, I think, their athleticism thresholds, or he gets close enough to it. He has good enough agility, a good enough uh, power broad jump. They're not spectacular, but on the field and on tape, he is—he uh, seems like a can't-miss-guard prospect and a maybe-can-miss-tackle prospect. That's a very good package. And I think most of the stuff with, with Elijah Vera Tucker is not necessarily about how he'll turn out in the NFL. I think most people agree, like, oh, he'll, he'll be pretty good. He might even be overrated because the conversation is not really about how good of a player he is. It's about the equity of drafting a guard in the first round. Now, if you've been following a lot of, like, analytics conversations, and I think even a lot of, like, the NFL conference, like, guards just don't tend to go that high. You don't often get Quentin Nelsons, and even he only went sixth overall, despite being, like, the best prospect in, like, history to come out at the position. And, you know, the reason for that is pretty intuitive, right? Guards get double teams a lot, so they get, you know, a lot of help from, like, the center, maybe even the, t- the tackle. Their job is, like, most discriminatory in the run game, where the equity, like, there's not as much meat on the bone of course for you know unlocking a nine-yard run versus unlocking a 90-yard touchdown pass um, and you know and in pass protection they tend to go up against like nose tackles and, and some penetrating three techniques but the edge rushers are obviously the bigger threat so tackle gets a lot more money gets a lot more you know highly drafted and all that stuff drafting guards high is not a common thing and I think with pretty good reason however That's on the aggregate with the entire NFL. And I think for these Vikings, I think drafting a guard is defensible. I've actually done a little bit of math on this when the uh, quarterback annual came out, the PFF quarterback annual came out. And if you trust their pressure charting, which I trust reasonably enough, they had a split of EPA per play when pressured and when unpressured, which gives us a little bit of a lens into what the the drop off is, right? How much does pressure destroy your offense with this quarterback or that quarterback or that quarterback? Kirk Cousins was like 22nd. It wasn't great. Um, But his pressure rate was like 30th so even worse and so i actually did some of the math and i said okay so if you replaced Kirk cousins with a quarterback who was exactly the same but median in uh terms of pressure erasure and how how well he can overcome pressure and then you did the same thing with the offensive line replace the offensive line the pressure rate with uh a a median pressure rate and then i did the same exercise with 75th percentile pressure rate and 75th percentile pressure erasure which is like a proxy for what if we got a good offensive line and what if we got a good press pressure-erasing quarterback. And the in, in both cases, the answer was fixing the offensive line helps the offense more than fixing Kirk Cousins would. And by the way, the EPA per dropback, which I think Kirk was like 11th in 2020, would have gone up to like 7th with an average offensive line or like fourth with a good one. So like, there's a lot of meat on the bone here. And I think you can justify, you can make a production argument to justify drafting this guard in the first round, especially after I traded down and I picked up and I have now three third round picks and three fourth round picks. And that's going to help me get back into the second round, which is still a goal of mine, because now we need an edge rusher like nobody's business. But I think drafting Elijah Vera Tucker is defensible this time. Um, I think drafting Rayshawn Slater and moving him into guard is defensible for sure, because I think he's even more Exciting prospect. Both of these guys could play tackle later if, you know, it comes out that that happens. And if, you know, they don't want to move Cleveland or whatever, they don't like, uh, you know, they get Alejandro Villanueva who retires next year and they want to move him. Like, that's also an option. So I don't think this is a typical, ah, they just like drafted a guard that's, you know, never going to actually change the way the offense plays. It changes the way this offense plays, and this offense isn't going anywhere. Kirk Cousins ain't going anywhere. Even if you flush out the whole coaching staff, if you can't get rid of Kirk Cousins, you're bringing the wide zone back. So I think that investment makes all the sense in the world for the Vikings, even though on the aggregate for NFL teams, it's like not the kind of value we usually will want to see. It helps this offense and it will, you know, turn your top 11 offense into a top seven offense. That's worth a first round pick to me. You just have to be that confident in Elijah Vera Tucker. I think most people are. And if you aren't and you disagree with the pick because of that, I think that's a lot more reasonable. But I think if your only problem with picking Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round is that he would play guard. I would encourage you to expand your idea of how offenses can be improved, including trying to address edge rusher, trying to get back into the second round, lots of action uh, yet to come here. But first, I want to talk to you about Grambling. The finals are here. Well, the women's finals were yesterday on Sunday. They haven't been played yet as I'm recording this, Uh, but the men's finals, of course, coming up as well. So if you still want to get some wagers in or if you just want to bet on NFL futures, you can bet plus 375 for the Vikings to win the NFC North if you're feeling it and to be honest. Honest, at those odds, I kind of am. I mean, that's almost five to one. That seems like some, some pretty good value at this particular juncture. If you want to bet on anything, you can go to betonline.ag. You can sign up for a free account. Just head on over to betonline.ag on your phone, on your computer. You can set up that free account and when you make your first deposit, enter promo code LOCKED ON, All one word, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That means for every $100 you put in for your first deposit, you get $50 in free play money. It's free grambling money, so make sure you go take advantage of that at betonline.ag. Your online sports book experts recapping the college basketball championship games as well as everything else going on in the sports world on the locked on today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski under 20 minutes every single morning, all the sports news you need. Available on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Now, let's go into day two on this show. So we got Elijah Vera Tucker. So we've figured out the guard problem, right? We have Elijah Vera Tucker in one of the spots. We have probably Ezra Cleveland or uh, Mason Cole in the other one. We move Ezra Cleveland out to tackle, too. Like, we can figure that out and then have Mason Cole. Like, that's an offensive line, right? So we have at least somebody who is a plan A in in every spot. We can maybe add to that, too. But I want to get back into the second round still. And I picked up, I have now three third round picks, and I want to get one of those up into the second round so i wanted to watch the edge rushers We have uh, Joseph Osai, Gregory Rousseau, Joe Tryon, Ronnie Perkins, Carlos Basham. There's a lot of edge rushers in this second round that I think are interesting. So I basically watched the board and once two of them came off, I decided to trade up. That happened by pick 61, uh, Rousseau and and, and Joe Tryon are the two that came up. So I had to choose between Ronnie Perkins, Joseph Osai, or Carlos Basham. Ronnie Perkins does not excite me. Compared to the other two, at least, there's just a lot of sample size problems and, and it's just incomplete info. And we have more complete info For the other two. So I'm going to go with either Osai or Basham. Now, Joseph Osai tested a little better, but he didn't play on the field as athletically. And Carlos Basham really, really excites me. He's the edge rusher out of Wake Forest. He's going to be the pick here because he has a lot of pass rushing technique, but he also has a lot of power. And the biggest knock on him is that he's not using that power. He should just bull rush more. And he has like too many pass rushing moves and he tries to get too cute that to me could be a coaching thing at Wake Forest that could just be something they asked him to do and if you just say hey uh, please bull rush more he just like would and use that power like that's not like a technique thing you have to teach him or a habit you have to undo that's a conscious decision that he's making that you could just ask him to stop making I think that's a really easy thing to adjust Josephos I totally know slouch if you like him better totally get it but I'm taking Carlos Basham the edge rusher out of uh, Wake Forest and he is pick number 61 to get up there I moved the Uh, pick 96, which is the the third rounder I picked up from New England in the trade down. So I moved that and pick number 90, which is the third rounder that we got from trading Ngakwe to the Ravens. And I moved that up to pick 61. I'm also still coming up at 78. I managed to keep our natural third rounder pick 78 completely clean here. So I'm still coming up at pick 78. And honestly, I like hated the board. Everybody on there was unexciting. And I didn't really see any players that like stood out to be worth taking. I saw like maybe five or six that I would have taken at like 90 if I had uh, done pick 90 and maybe that was a better trade to get up to uh, to pick 71 or 61 with the bills. I could have done like pick 78 and a fifth rounder or a fourth rounder or something instead of two threes. So I'm going to try to recoup a little bit of that value from that. I, I guess you call it a mistake. Um, I moved down two spots from 78 to 80. I picked up some ground in round four. I moved pick 143 up to pick 121 to move down two, sto- two spots in the third round. And then the Eagles called me and wanted to move up four spots in exchange for pick two for you, a really, really late seventh. That's actually a trade that normally favors the Eagles. But looking at the board, I just didn't like anybody still. And I thought, you know what? Four picks later, I'm going to see the exact same board and it's going to be a lot easier to justify taking someone here. So... Now that I'm down to pick 84, there was only one interesting wide receiver left, and that's Tylan Wallace. He's not my favorite third round receiver. I think I like uh, Diami Brown better. I like Amon Ross St. Brown a little better, but I would be okay with Tylan Wallace. He didn't test great. Um, he, he ran a four four eight forty. That's not like a deal breaker, but it's not excellent. Um, and he's little, he's like five foot 11. And so he measured really poorly, but he plays a lot bigger than that. He has a big catch radius. And that's the thing is him on, he's a good contested catch receiver. So I'm not going to knock him too much for like his length and stuff. Um, and Oklahoma state kind of stymied his route tree. He was not often asked to, like, win with polished route running. He would win kind of as a a speed guy, but he wasn't all that speedy, so his production wasn't great. So this is a guy that I'm not in love with as a pick, but considering that the ones I do like have already picked, I'm going to take him and hope that he can kind of turn into that wide receiver three. I think he fits in really well with the Jefferson and Thelans of the world uh, also. He's quick enough, 4 4 eight's fine. You can run a clear-out route with that. He can make contested catches, and maybe he can uh, work on his route running a little bit, too. He might have better route running than we saw on tape, and Oklahoma State just never asked him to use it, though it is concerning. Like, why wouldn't they ask him to use it if they thought he had it? So that is, again, a, a little bit concerning, but at pick 84, I'll take it as a wide receiver. So in days one and two, I turned picks 14, 78, and 80 into 15, 61, and 84. So I moved those two third-round picks up, got one into the second round, and it only cost me moving down one spot in the first round and I had to pay pick 143, one of the fourth rounders to get all that extra value. I think I navigated that a lot better than I have in some of these previous mock draft Mondays as I'm getting to know the board a little better. And also, you know, moving down one spot in the first round wasn't costly at all because I would have just taken Elijah Vera Tucker if those trades fell through and I still got Elijah Vera Tucker. The other interesting thing is that Justin Fields was on the board and I didn't take him. I traded down and let somebody else take him. So that's probably like the narrative for this draft now and I probably guaranteed that is comparing Kirk Cousins to Justin Fields and if Justin Fields has a better. Career, like I probably get fired for doing that, which would ultimately be ironic after all this, you know, Rick Spielman finally takes a guard. And it's the pick that gets him fired. But I think I maximized my value well. And I think all of these players are going to get on the field, and if not start, they will contribute right away. And they're rel- relatively exciting players. I like Elijah Vera Tucker. I really like Carlos Basham. I've seen a lot of people compare him to Everson Griffin, and I don't think that's too far off base. And even Tylan Wallace, who I'm not truly excited about, I still think can get on and contribute, right? He can he can beat out Chad Beebe. I, I don't have any qualms about that, but we got a lot of day three coming up. So we are going to get into that. But first, I want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar ever built madness is over we've been defeated coconut brownie chunk is the champion reluctantly uh we are getting the uh the fbi to look into possible collusion charges on this for why coconut got all of the bye weeks in the tournament i'll keep you updated there we are getting the cops involved but if you want to try some protein bars for yourself some built bar they're delicious they're low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber they're keto friendly And if you enter promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off of your next order. So get in while the getting's good. That's LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. All right, for more mock drafts like this one and all the draft content you could ever need every single day, you can head over to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite shows. Go check that out after this one. As for this one, we have seven day three picks to get through because I picked up an extra seventh two in all the trading around. So let's let's whip through all these. At pick 121, this was pick 143. I moved it up to here uh, when I was trading around in the uh, third round. The Vikings still need another safety to round out their roster. Right now, they've got their starters, right? They have Woods and Smith, that'll work out. But they have Josh Metellus, who I guess is going to be penciled in as a backup if he can make the team. And even if he can't, then you need one even more. But we need backup safeties. We need depth there. So taking a depth safety, Jacoby Stevens, he's an D back, right? DBU, let's do it. But he's not quite the rangy free safety you would want. Like he is a little bit of the antithesis, antithesis to uh, Xavier Woods that he, he can play coverage and he can play in the box and he can move around. They moved him around the formation a lot at LSU, but he's much more of a box safety. He's not like a fast guy. He's not like a, a rangy cover guy. He's a hitter and he's a, he's a tackler, and he's very, very explosive, which the Vikings like in their safety. So I think this could be a fit, but he's definitely more of a, a box safety blitzer type. Think of it more like a J. Ron Curse kind of thing, where maybe he can uh, play a little bit more of that box safety role, but not fully on the will linebacker part, where J. Ron Curse kind of flirted with that a little bit more. I think he much more fits the, uh, the profile of a, a true box safety, and that's not as versatile as you want, but for a depth player, you know, you'll take it. And unfortunately, he's not Not that great of a run defender, and he's not like uh, he doesn't you know stack and shed blocks very expertly or anything like that. So that sort of dampens this. But as a backup, um, I I think he can at least offer something. He can come in in certain packages and and maybe even be part of a creative blitz package. I think Zimmer can find a use for this guy if he had to put him on the field, Um, but otherwise, you know, he'll just be a special teamer. At pick 125, I took a total flyer on another interior offensive lineman. I took a guard, David Moore, out of Grambling. So this is a small school player and he opted out in 2020 that means we are going to have to take everything with a massive grain of salt he had not a great agility score he might not be on the vikings board because of all of this but he has crazy crazy power he can anchor he can pass protect right he's what we want here and he has for his weight he weighed like probably 350 at the senior bowl grambling listed him at 320 so he's probably somewhere in between there when he did his broad jump and his broad jump was like over 8 feet he was like 8 foot 9 or something like that it was almost like that's a really good uh, broad jump for that weight weight adjusted it's like an average broad jump for a guard but weight adjusted it's very good and and so I think the Vikings will be okay with that power and there might be something there in terms of his profile he's again he's he's not like a mover or anything but he has some decent explosion and that means that he might be able to get out to the second level and really move guys he can uh, be a Pass protector, and maybe he can learn a a new skill or two if that you can get his weight down to something reasonable. It's a total flyer for sure, but I think because of the way we've navigated the offensive line so far, we kind of have a lot of guys that are like competing for a job, and so I think just a a, a flyer for when some of these things, you know, some percentage of like Ezra Cleveland, uh, Dakota Dozier, Mason Cole, these guys, somebody in there is going to not work out, and so this gives us just like one more variable, another guy that has to not work out for the Vikings to be, you know, completely. Completely bare cupboard here uh in the next couple of years at pick 134 i picked a defensive end out of vanderbilt dio odenabo no he is not related to afadi odenabo there is an extra y in his name um he is a really exciting prospect actually he's a fun edge rusher he's very lengthy and he has lots of pass rushing technique he isn't uh Power guy at all? He's much more of a technique rusher, and he's got you know dip and and bend, and he can kind of use the speed and stuff. He's a gap slasher. He's a guy. Give him a a, a gap to br- burst through, and he'll go penetrate. Right as a rotational defensive end, that can be really really helpful. Um, he hasn't tested athletically yet, but he. I think should test really, really well. Um, and and he might be a victim. He played on Vanderbilt. They were like 0-9. And, and so he might just be kind of hidden on a really bad team. And that's always going to make it a little bit tougher for you if you're the one good player on a bad team because you have to cover so many other bases that it's not going to let you really, really sing. I think as an, a rotational edge rusher, somebody, you know, kind of rotating in and out with Hunter or with, uh, with Carlos Basham now who we got, I, I think he can provide something even you know in in certain fronts in uh you know third and short situations he can be very very explosive i think he can definitely provide something even though he won't be a starter in the fourth round that's exactly what we want uh we're now to the fifth round we have pick 157 i am taking desmond fitzpatrick he is a wide receiver out of louisville he's a total wide receiver Wide receiver three, steady Eddie type. He fell this far, probably because he has a low ceiling. He isn't a particularly spectacular athlete. He's not going to burn anybody. He's not going to, you know, juke anybody out of his, out of their shoes. But he was a consistent producer. He can find the hole in his zone. He's got good enough hands. And for me, with wide receiver specifically, a lack of weaknesses is a pretty big strength. So in the fifth round, I think this is somebody that can absolutely just come in and like be a, a, a just a guy. And then if we really don't like the Tylen Wallace thing, Tylen Wallace just doesn't work out. He just can't get separation, can't run a route. It's like this is giving you a little bit more of a floor because we at least know that Desmond Fitzpatrick can do something and be part of a skill p- player core. Now, I don't really have a fifth starting skill player yet because unless you really uh, are higher on Tylen Wallace than I am. So I think it's probably a weakness of this draft as a whole. Um, but I am going to get a couple more skill players here because at pick number 168, I wanted to take a tight end. The Vikings need one more to kind of round out their roster, I think. I kind of want to Trey McKitty, who was a pl- prospect of the day last week. But I figured, you know, let's mix it up a little more. I want to get to know more than one guy. I'm not just going to keep talking about the same tight end prospect all the time. So Quentin Morris, tight end out of Bowling Green, is the pick. He had a pretty good athletic profile, but he didn't dominate in the MAC at Bowling Green, and that's really concerning, right? He did not have dominating production, and that's why he's here in the sixth round. Um But it seemed like he ha- was a pretty versatile blocker. They asked him to do a number of blocking assignments, and he seemed to do pretty well with those. I think he can be a blocking tight end, even though that's just not what Bowling Green needed out of him. I think the Vikings will, would need that more. And by the way, no, as a receiver, he's like, capable enough, right? He knows how to do a spot route. He'll catch the ball. He's not, like, completely useless. Um, And it's not, like, some crazy downside for him like it was for, like, David Morgan, who ran, like, a 6'5", 40 or something crazy like that. So he's a blocking tight end, and I'm gonna take a running back again at pick number 199. I've taken a running back now in two of these. Uh, I'm taking Jermar Jefferson, running back at Oregon State. He can make the reads. He's not a top-flight athlete. That's kind of all you need. He'll provide some competition for that group. He'll be under contract after Alexander Madison's contract expires. There is definitely some equity to be had there, and as a guy to just spell Dalvin Cook or a guy to, you know, just be the third, uh, the third running back in case of injury. I think that he can absolutely, uh, you know, be productive enough, make the right read, hit the hole. He won't have that home run ability. I don't think you need that from him. That works out. And now the seventh rounder that I picked up in all of the trading uh, that I picked up from Philadelphia when I moved from 80 to 84 is right here. That's pick 240. And it is our prospect of the day for the the day. It's Grant Stewart. He's a linebacker out of Houston, and he's fascinating. Um, He's not a coverage guy. might actually be more of like a big time Sam linebacker, but he's really explosive. And I've taken a lot of explosive athletes, a lot of good broad jumps here, a lot of people, you know, with good like short area burst. Um, And and Grant Stewart is one of those. He's got good top speed too so i think he can be valuable in like punt and kick coverage um and i think as a backup linebacker three right he's not even like he's probably not beating out like nick vigil for this job right away just because of his coverage problems he just can't cover a very big area in zone so you have to kind of protect him in zone and that probably precludes him from being a starter until he figures out how to cover better if he has to get faster instincts finding ways to kind of overcome that lack of like uh middle medium area agility but He's, again, a guy that can, you know, give him a gap, and he is going to slash that gap with ridiculous explosion and go be super violent and disruptive. That's exactly what you need in that kind of player, and I think, again, as a special teamer, he can absolutely find his way on the roster until he can get a more polished linebacker technique, maybe get a little better in coverage. Overall... I love this mock. I'm really, really happy with it. We got Elijah Vera Tucker. We got Carlos Basham. I feel like both of those needs have been answered. And by the way, that does this. This works out even if the Vikings strike out entirely on offensive linemen from here until the draft, which I think is unlikely, but certainly possible. And I think the depth I'm really happy with as well. I love Dio Odenabo. I like Des Fitzpatrick as kind of a, a floor, a backstop for if Tylen Wallace doesn't work out. I like Jacoby Stevens for what he offers. I really like the blitz packages. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that are kind of gap slashers, you know, Jacoby Stevens, Dio, Denny, Grant Stewart, all of these guys are, you know, guys that you can give them one gap and they can go. And if you have guys like Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce who can two gap and you end up having an injury to to Bar or Kendricks or whatever, you can make those guys work. And so I feel like I've helped kind of bolster the depth and helped us made become a little bit more resilient to injury, even if that means throwing in a few rookies. It's throwing in a few rookies that we already know are good at something and we don't have to ask them to do everything, which is kind of what happened in 2020. Troy Dye had to cover a lot more bases than he was capable of, and it was a disaster so hopefully this can work out a little bit better tomorrow's twitter tuesday get your questions in you can get those questions in to me on twitter at loopbron nfl or at locked on vikings for the show you can also send them to uh locked on vikings at gmail.com there's also a uh, google form in the show notes if you'd rather do that as well so get those into me if i don't get them tomorrow i'll try to get them in a future week as well i'll see y'all tomorrow and as always skull